electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Good afternoon. Um, my name is Brandon Gomez, and I'm here to welcome you to another Tech Check Plus live stream. Joining me today, I have Alina Vandenberg. She is the Chief Experience Officer and Co-Founder of tech startup Chili Piper, as well as Raj Berman, who is the CEO of TechFugees. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about what tech is doing uh, to aid the refugee crisis in Ukraine, but also the refugee crisis at large. Uh, so just to, to, to get started, um, Alina, I, I would love to, to turn to you just to sort of kick things off and, and explain to us. I mean, just looking at some of the things that Chili Piper and TechFugees have done in Ukraine. I mean, resources for people fleeing Ukraine in an 89-page Google document, um, helping over 100,000 refugees, Chili Piper making donations um, to raise over $200,000 in capital to help uh, community-based organizations that are on the ground. I mean, fill in the gaps for me. What's the what's the latest in terms of those initiatives? We have uh, put ourselves uh, immediately in the shoes of uh, those that have been displaced in Ukraine because we have employees in there. I also have friends um, that have been affected by it. And I was doing this initially just to help those that uh, were in immediate need. But then I realized that this was a much greater scale than I anticipated. Um, I had worked with Raj at TechFugees before on uh, refugees initiatives, so I was aware of the deep need that people that are just disrupted from their normal lives. Um, so I had a bit of experience with that, um, but at the same time, um, I just want to do more uh, and I want to make sure that I can do everything that I can in my power uh, as a tech company to be able to put a stop on this uh, nonsensical act that's happening now in Ukraine and in, in other regions as well. So uh, I, before I, I dive into specifically what Chili Piper is doing, I mean, Raj, can you give us a little bit more context to Alina says she's worked with you in the past um, in terms of other, you know, refugee crises as well. Um, what exactly is the state of the crisis in Ukraine? What are we seeing? You know, how does it scale, um, perhaps maybe compared to some uh, some other situations that you've either seen in, in your tenure as CEO or uh, with your work in this community? Yeah, absolutely, Brandon. First of all, thank you for the invitation. Delighted to be here. Um, yeah, absolutely. We've wor I've worked with Alina over the years with um, Chili Piper on this issue. Ukraine is one of many big events that we've seen. You know, since the time I've been with TechFugees, uh, the nature of, of human displacement is proliferating. You know, we're currently 1% of the planet, 84 million is currently displaced. In the course of, you know, we're now day 26 now in Ukraine. Within the last 20 days, Brandon, you know, we've got 3 million people, mostly women, children, and the elderly who have fled the country. Another 2 million people are displaced internally. That's a huge number within a very short space of time. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've seen similar sort of events happening in other countries like Lebanon and in Syria crisis with, with, uh, yeah, with Afghanistan and so forth. But the underlying denominator is the power of the collective. And the reason why TechFugees has come together as an international nonprofit is leveraging the, the power of the collective of the 
of the digital tech community together with volunteers and cross-sector organizations to come together to to really galvanize and uh, 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 support for these people who are displaced right now. Um, so currently, we, right now, with, since the Ukraine crisis, we've mobilized uh, well over 50 action groups across Europe, um, primarily with well over close to about 3,000 people right now in those countries uh, on very specific issues, supporting uh, technical assistance. We are also lots of people coordinating with the local NGOs on the ground in terms of providing uh, the, you know, the humanitarian support for those people who are displaced from Ukraine right now. So it's it's all hands to the pump as we're, we're trying to um, help those people to safety at the moment. And I, I know that you have uh, very specific calls to action as as things are needed. I mean, what is the role that tech is playing right now? I mean, what is the specific need? What is the ask of tech um, and of the tech community and of tech leaders right now to aid in what's happening over in Ukraine? I'll ask you that question, Raj. Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, the first thing at, at the moment is matching uh, those needs on the grounds with those people who can offer assistance. Um, so Alina and myself, we very quickly galvanized the community to highlight where those needs are and creating the community to highlight where the offers are. So there's a matching process right now in coordinating those efforts worldwide on the ground. Uh, but the most immediate need, I mean, right now, the, the real grassroots um, needs right now is is getting power banks, you know, power, power, uh, empowering those individuals, predominantly women who are, you know, Traveling on the roads, you know, for example, just a few weeks ago in in Lviv, which is you know seventy kilometers from the borders of Poland, we've got women and children and elderly walking that distance. That's that's equivalent to walking from you know Smithtown and Long Island to New York, <laughs> right? Um, and that's a massive distance. And you can imagine, you know, getting your power, uh, getting connected on your mobile devices is a big thing. So one of the things we've orchestrated, we've part, we've teamed up with a, an organization called LifeSaver, which, which offers you know, pre-charged power banks. We've already deployed 2,000 of those. We need more help on the ground. We're fundraising right now. There's an emergency call to action to get more of these power banks in the hands of those people right now um, at the borders, and, and we're working on that front right now. Uh, the, other, the, third, the third thing we're really mindful of is the aspects of, of human trafficking. We're seeing a, an emergence of that within the last, you know, 24, 48 hours. Uh, we're seeing, you know, human trafficking rings being bust uh, with women and children and, and uh, kids being, being kidnapped. And so one of the things we're looking with the, the digital tech communities around, you know, in a, empowering sort of ID verification so that those people on the ground can actually got information in their hands to, to know exactly who they are and, and their trusted connections, as it were. So those are the key things that we're currently driving at the moment on the ground. So, um, and then, you know, what is the gap between the need and the supply that you currently have right now, right? You're, you're saying, Raj, that you need power banks to, um, to literally enable access to the technology. Uh, how much need is there? And like I said, how much supply do you actually have? Yeah, so at the moment, at the moment, uh, two thousand have been have been sent. Uh, we we need to we need to send millions more. Uh, there's a crowdfunding campaign right now, which which we're working together with uh, Chili Piper on that front, and and together with Lifesaver. Um, the real re the real aspect of this is there's a, there's a coordination and knowledge sharing with the local NGOs, and uh, you know with the collective, what we're doing is bringing that trusted information um, in, in a in a uniform way so that information is available. Um, and a good example of that is is the the document that we've created with Chili Piper, 
um, to, to aggregate those information sources, which are trusted information sources, which is becoming invaluable for helping those people on the ground and getting access to quick information. Uh, literally, people are being saved by, by that one document, which has been created very early on. Um, so really, right now, um, we are now dispensing that, and we've, we've got some technology to kind of signpost and enable wayfinding safe, safe routes for those individuals on the ground to, so they can get access to these power bikes on the ground. I want to I talk about the, the dock because I think that that's sort of been a bit of a headline feature. And Alina, I'll talk to you about this. Um, the Google Doc. I mean, it's an 86-page document. What exactly is it allowing? What information is it relaying? Um, and, and can you just tell us a little bit more about how you've employed um, almost the simplicity of something that so many people use on a daily basis to really help you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of refugees? At the beginning, we just looked at uh, what their options were as they were fleeing off of Ukraine. Off Ukraine, what, what were the routes? What were the safe routes? Where were the shortest lines? What were the paths to get there? What bus could go there? What train could go there? And that was the beginning. Then we realized, okay, once they cross the border, they need some fast access to a place where they can take a shower, they can decompress. Um, so having access to a free shelter or um, even having access to their cash was difficult at the beginning. They couldn't use their local currency to pay for things. So we put that as a, as a main headline. You have to do this and that in order to access um, uh, your cash. Um, then we looked at, okay, now they crossed the border. They might have crossed the border in Romania or in Poland, but they have friends in Portugal or they have some um, hope that they could get a visa in UK and work there. What are the requirements? What documents do they need? Uh, what, where do they need to go on which website? How do they get a job? How can they apply for a job immediately because they need to survive, right? And it's not clear for how long they need to stay outside of the country. Some of them, they think it's just going to be temporary, that they're going to get back in a few weeks. So they just find shelter on the border. Uh, some of them are less optimistic and they say, okay, we might be gone for, for a while now. And uh, it's a little bit different for everybody, but we wanted to make sure that each uh, step is, is covered. Obviously, this is, these are the 4 million that are exiting the country, but then there are the people that are still in the country that are still being displaced, the 6 million more. And you can imagine a quarter of the country doesn't, cannot know where to hide, doesn't know where they're going to access food from. Uh, they're getting injured. Um, the, the trauma that they're going through, just, just the, the emotional trauma, I can testify for that because I've, I've gone through some, uh, some things similar in, in the experience in the revolution in Romania. But these are people that are going through some very tough times. And it's not only the people that are crossing the border that are going through very hard times. It's also people that are being displaced internally. And for those, uh, the needs are more related to food, water, um, medical supplies, and just basic things to find a place where they're not going to get bombed. And that's the difficult part because you don't know where Russia is going to hit and uh, where the military is going to decide that it's a it's a target and it seems to be quite uh, random. So that thought of randomness that you're not finding a place that's safe right now, it's, it's, it's hard. I, I want to talk about that personal experience that you're touching on because I I do sort of see it as, as a catalyst for why you want to make sure that it is a top priority at Chili Pipers, 
right? That it is something that is ingrained in the company. I mean, you have your Citizens of Our Planet, um, you know, branch as well, and all the work that you're doing there, Alina. I mean, how how personal does this also feel in terms of your own experiences? And is that the motivator behind why you feel so compelled to be involved uh, in these refugee crises? So I've uh, I've gone through communism in Romania, which is a similar period to what Russia is going through right now, where information is not free. Um, people are not not free to speak up, and I've gone through that, where our neighbor would uh, monitor every word that my parents would say, um, that even us as children would say we could not criticize the regime, we could not say certain things. Um, everything had to be positive towards the dictator at that time, and. I've learned to appreciate a lot when I came to US that kind of freedom to be able to just express what you're going through. And we take that for granted here in US because we've never been on the other side, but it's a powerful feeling when you land here and you, you realize the, the, the freedom of speech and the, the freedom of information that's available, that's huge. That's one part of, of the equation. The other part of the equation is when you've gone through your entire life where the thing that you worry about is whether you have not the right filter on social media um, is going to not make you so understanding of the trauma that's going through on the other side. But when you go through something um, as disruptive as bullets flying through your or above your head or bombs, it puts everything else in perspective. Everything else becomes trivial. And that has happened to me as a child. I had the unfortunate to go through uh, the revolution and people were just blindly shooting at each other with nonsensical uh, uh, targets. So the army was shooting against the civilians, the civilians were shooting against the military. And I was in a home that was on the first ground and we would actually get bullets flying off of, of, of our window. So that was quite intense. And um, I'm starting to appreciate the basics, uh, just being able to have a shelter, being able to have a roof, being able to have uh, heat and, and all those, those things that are basic. So I, I, I came with that upbringing. And then on the other side is Alina, the owner, the business owner, realizes that people have a job within their corporations and have started to have an expectation from their corporations, especially when their political system might not be stable or their governments may not take the right actions fast enough. Um, they have started to look at their corporations and say, does this corporation align with my values? Does this corporation care about the things that I care about? Should I even be working here? Because typically their corporations are regarded as uh, greedy because they are all interested in, in uh, profits. And um, at the same time, they employ people. There has to be an alignment between what the corporation cares about, what the person cares about, and being able to um, have the kind of corporate responsibility to do the right things when everything else around uh, around you fails to to provide that kind of security. So I think that there is an opportunity in general, especially in 2022, for companies to show um, more empathy around the, the things that employees go through. Because in this case, everybody has some relationship with Europe a little bit to feel that tension, because it's not only Ukraine. Uh, Poland feels the pressure. Uh, Germany feels the pressure. Um, the Western countries are feeling the pressure from, from this massive migration and the sanctions. Um, so it's no longer indirect. It becomes more and more relevant to, to the discussions that employees have. 
And I'm, I'm curious about specifically the role of tech, right? So at the time, you know, when you're experiencing what you just laid out, were you also, I mean, you were also very passionate about tech growing up. I mean, we've had past discussions about that. Did you sort of see tech as the solution or as a part of the puzzle that could have been a solution to address the issues that you were experiencing that we're seeing again, you know, in Ukraine? When the information is uh, restricted, like it's happening right now in Russia, it's hard, but it's still possible. Like the Ukrainian social media was hacked uh, 14 hours ago, if I'm not mistaken, and people were exposed to the reality of things. Um, it's a little bit harder because a lot of uh, people in Russia have been constantly um, um, primed with the repeated message again and again and again to believe a certain kind of story and not being primed with any other information. So all of a sudden, some social media being uh, hijacked with one message, they might think, oh, it's just some, some occurrence of some kind. So it has to be repeated. It can be done, but it's, it's, it's very hard um, because the, the, the source has to be uh, opposed. Obviously, we, we're caring for the, the victims here, but I wish I could do more on the, um, on the bigger issue, which is how to prevent this from happening as well. Um, and it's not always obvious how one can do that uh, at the starting point. So I want um, to also think about some things that uh, other companies have been doing right too, right? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a list here that Grammarly um, was donating its Russian profits to help support Ukraine efforts. Airbnb, right, was doing the short-term housing um, to Ukrainian refugees. Uh, you know, phone carriers like T-Mobile, Verizon, they were all providing access um, to their services. Uber was offering rides over the border um, between Ukraine and Poland. Uh, I mean, it seems like there is this response from tech, but I guess my question is, what does it take to get that buy-in? Because I know, Alina, you've expressed a bit of frustration as well about folks who aren't jumping to get involved in this, or maybe see it as a massive expense on the bottom line that they can't afford. I mean, what is your response to those to those tech leaders it's very very uh it's a very critical moment in time where you have to look deep into your soul and feel is this moment where i put profits ahead of of people's well-being of, of people getting killed and if a leader even if in a corporation chooses to be neutral in this case it's not okay. I don't feel it's the right position that one needs to take in this uh, and the right message that sends to the world that I prioritize cash over people's life and everybody should do their part, whichever way they can. So whether it's AstraZeneca and they still need to ship uh, medicines that are crucial in Russia, which I think is correct, but they should donate all the proceeds from their profits of that to help the refugees. Um, and I think it's the same for the tech companies and look, okay, I might have, might have some employees in Russia or I might have some clients in Russia. How can I contribute and help in this particular case? Can I donate profits? Can I take care of others? Can I make sure that I'm doing all the possible things that I can to show that I'm a true leader? Uh, Raj, I mean, we're, we're talking about a specific uh, a specific uh, event that's happening right now in between Ukraine and Russia. I, I think about, you know, I, I draw parallels of in terms of people jumping to get involved, right? To after the murder of George Floyd, um, you know, we saw a lot of companies committing dollars to support black business. Um, 
you know, the COVID-19 pandemic companies were jumping to, uh, to help folks uh, with, with that as well. And again, we see sort of this momentum. We sort of see these ebbs and flows. I mean, what is, how are we going to keep the momentum that we're seeing from companies that are helping in the Ukraine-Russia crisis uh, in the future? How do, we, how do you keep that momentum going? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think um, it, it's about investing in people at the end of the day, because, you know, the, the, we, as Alina mentioned, you know, we, we're at a tipping point here, you know, that right now, we, we, you know, the world is in a dark place, you know, with, with the pandemic, with conflicts, and now with climate change and everything else, which is going to, you know, it's all compounding effects of, of human displacement worldwide. Um, so Ukraine has been a specific event, and, the, and we will see more of these specific events going forward in, in some shape or capacity. But you know, for the corporates now, you know, the business leaders I'm talking to are all scratching their head as to what's going to drive the next generational growth. And, you know, we are now in the digital world. Everybody's connected. And as Alina mentioned, it, it's now putting the ethos and the, the responsibility back on those business leaders to really think about those people that they're investing in. Um, what I do see is that you know, I've, I've been in the space of the refugee business for the last 30 years of my life, you know, mentoring lots of refugees. Uh, my, my forefathers were originally from, from refugees themselves, from the Indian partition. So I've worked in the Middle East and here in the UK as well with refugees. And what I do see is enormous un, uh, uh, unbased talent, uh, which is in, untapped. Uh, we're, we, you know, we are seeing a lot of individuals, particularly women, uh, leaders coming up through the ranks. I was in Lebanon just last week talking to several women uh, refugees uh, displaced by the same crisis, talking to them about how they're going through they're they're playing a struggle, but at the same time taking the initiative to to learn English, to learn IT skills. They're they're doing Google certificates and digital um, programs with Google together with AI learning, and they're they're learning. and And guess what? They're getting picked up for for roles uh, for corporates. So there is a massive opportunity, I think, for corporate leaders to really realize that the world is changing. Uh, there is a new way of working, and and that way we're working is really you know, working together um, in a collective way and, and to really, you know, leverage the, accelerate the path for these individuals who are displaced to, to bring their talent forward. Uh, Raj, Alina, I appreciate you both joining me this, uh, this afternoon to have this conversation. Uh, and again, also for um, sharing a little bit about all of the work that you're doing, the continued work that you're doing, um, again, on this specific crisis, but also to uh, address the refugee crisis at large. So thank you for your time and, and discussing the role that tech can play. Thank you, Brendan, thank you for highlighting. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.